0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hugan, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoicey.com. All right, last week we began looking at passages in Scripture that show God as both terrible and tender. Terrible not meaning bad, but, but terrifying. God, God is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Specifically, it says that of Christ in Revelation 5. But God is just not um, terrible or majestic. He is tender and meek and full of kindness and mercy. And it's been our contention that God is more glorious because he's a combination of these traits rather than just being full of one or the other. And, of course, this is what Scripture says about God himself. We've looked at Isaiah 40 we've looked at psalm chapter two and last time we were together we looked at isaiah chapter six so today we're going to turn to the new testament in john chapter six where we see jesus christ um and what we would like to see there is how jesus being the second person in the trinity is um to use the the alliteration both tender and terrible so um Maybe maybe before we jump into the text, real quick, if we have new listeners this week, brothers, uh, do you think it's a, a struggle for Christians to embrace this kind of terrible and tender God? I,
1: I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for myself that I, I think my tendency is to go to extremes. Um, that mm-hmm. I. For whatever reason, I want to isolate an attribute of God, and that could be a different attribute at any given point in my life given the circumstances of my life. So maybe at some point I see God as only holy or I see him as only loving or only powerful or only whatever, and you can fill in the blank. So I think my own tendency is to isolate the attributes of God and take them apart from who he is in his entirety and make him something um that wouldn't really represent the god of the scriptures
2: yeah and and i think for all of us there's uh you know there's there's a popular piety out there there's a an, an americanized version of of religion i'm not even going to call it christianity because there's a there's an americanized pop religion that uses a lot of vocabulary from the bible and 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 uses uh, jesus in a way uh, but it's kind of a, a cobbled together pop religion that isn't that may have bits and pieces of scripture in it but doesn't honor the whole of the word of god and and we're we are deeply influenced by that all of us uh, you know things we've picked up in movies and television and uh Pop, just just pop religion and pop psychology, um, and we we all have a tendency to to cobble together that stuff and create our own idea of who God is. And I I think I I can't, and I know we'll all agree on this. I can't say strongly enough that so called God is most probably an idol. Uh, get that out of your head and and look to the Word, Christian. Look look to God's Word. Look to the whole of God's Word.
1: And this is why it's a good um, practice to be reading all parts of the Scripture. This is why it's it's such a good practice to be in church a lot, as much as you can, because you aren't picking the text. The pastor is picking the text and, and sometimes leading you in places maybe that you wouldn't want to go and revealing something about the idolatry of your heart of the gods that you've created. And so I I just think it's a great idea not just to be in the Word um, but to be in all parts of the Word of God because you want to know the whole counsel of God. I I just remember from my own childhood that I tended to read the same portions of Scripture over and over and over again. Not healthy, not a healthy spiritual diet. It's like eating donuts all the time, which (laughs) (laughs) –
2: I saw you have one today. Yeah. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't, go too, don't go too far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, you know, you mentioned that uh, we have a tendency to read uh, certain portions that we like. But even even if the pastor is picking, picking sermons, he ought to be preaching the whole counsel of God. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's one of the beauties of preaching through a, a a book, for instance. I come on passages that I would rather not uh, go into, you yep. know, um, but I'm I'm forced to because I'm preaching through those passages, coming to an understanding sometimes for the first time myself mm-hmm. as I come upon those and have to wrestle with the text in order to communicate to the people. So it has to preach to me as well as to them. Yeah. All right. So uh,
0: quickly around the table with me, I have to my first left. Pastor Phil Moran from Christ Presbyterian Church.
2: Good afternoon. Good to be here.
0: Where can people find you at?
2: Uh, Well, I'm right here in the studio at the moment. (laughs) 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 No, people can find our church on the web at ChristPressBoise.org.
3: And then to my second left, I have Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen at Dayspring Reformed. Dayspring Reformed Church. uh, You can find us at DayspringBoise.com or also on Facebook at Dayspring. Reformed Church. And then on my third left, who's texting, is
0: not even listening to what I'm saying at all, uh, is Pastor Russ Herman at Cloverdale Reformed
1: Church. Multitasking. Um, You can find us at CloverdaleURC.org.
3: O-R-G. Well, you know, also, he's also at your right hand. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So we're actually going clockwise that's, around the table. <laughs> that's right. And then uh,
0: my name is Josh Bales. I'm one of the pastors at the Well Church um, here in Boise, and you can find us at thewellboise.com. Okay, so John 6 is a huge chapter, um, and if you're tuning in, um, what we're looking at is uh, to use the alliteration of um, how God is both tender and terrible in this passage and specifically it's on jesus christ so brothers it's it's so massive i'm not gonna i'm not gonna start out anywhere just where do you see the conjunction of these these two attributes of christ in this massive chapter
3: well, it's a big chapter, and he's talking about the him being the bread of life in this. And in fact, he feeds the multitudes in this chapter. Uh, we see his power and the fact that he's walked on water. But he comes back to his uh, to the crowds, and they've been fed once. Now they they're following him again, and and he reminds them that uh, they need to they need to come to him. Those that come to him will never hunger and and thirst, uh, but if they don't believe, uh, you know, he's reminding them that uh, he has the power to cast them out, and so that I guess you see that um, the terrible, um, awesome responsibility that we have to come to him. He says, "Those that come to him will lose nothing. Uh, all that is." been given to him he will raise up on the last day there's his power again Mm -hmm. Um, and they'll have eternal life so i mean power yes um but also the tender Tender part of god he's it's an invitation Mm -hmm. it's and there's a general invitation that goes out to all you know, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. Mm-hmm. So there's that general invitation here. We see it's a tender. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance.
0: Just before that, um, He you mentioned that he walked on the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, the disciples responded in chapter 6, verse 19. It says, when they had rowed about three or four miles, so they were going across the, the sea, of sea of Galilee here. Uh, They got into a boat um, and started across uh, the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark. Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because the strong wind was blowing. So it's this terrible situation. And Mm -hmm. when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were frightened. What -hmm. were they frightened at? They were frightened at Christ. Is that, is that do you guys think that's
3: accurate? Okay. right This is a power that nobody ever sees right. you know this is yeah. a, this is a yeah. power that only God has.
2: that's right and that's important to underline that there are several places and we don't have time to, to go into citing all of the, all of the verses but in the Old Testament God is the only one who walks upon the waves of the sea mm-hmm. that, that image is used of God a number of times in the Old Testament. So, this isn't just a magic trick that Jesus is doing. And, and, and by the way, I'll confess that uh, for many years I looked on it that way. In fact, I, I kind of looked on this miracle as saying, oh, you know, come on, Jesus, you're, you're showing off a little bit here. Well, no, he, he's revealing who he is right. uh, because only God can walk upon the ways of the sea. And, and, so, and that's deeply imbued in the Jewish mind, mm-hmm. the, 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 the mind that's saturated in Hebrew scripture, as these disciples are. They know that. And so that when they see Jesus walking on the water and coming toward them it's it, it's reminiscent of when, when they say uh, you know elsewhere who is this yes that even the wind and sea obey him
3: I think it's important that we realize you know we use the word miracle but the word miracle isn't in the Bible actually these things are signs Science. and power and so yeah. everything that he's doing is a sign of who he is and a demonstration of his power yeah. and that's that's important because when when uh, others do things uh, they're referred to as lying signs in fact they're they're more like uh, you know pen and teller you know they're they're illusions of power but they're not yeah. really power yeah uh-huh. so here uh they're frightened and then what does jesus immediately say
0: to them uh do not be afraid. So you see this this right. terrible and tender aspect of Christ. Mm-hmm. But before I, I we're running out of time so quickly. But what I really wanted to get to, I did have a private agenda. Okay, when <laughs> <Yes>. I came <laughs> to John, you know. yeah,
2: you got the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it.
3: Yeah. But
0: there's this uh, there's this startling statement of Jesus uh, exercising complete authority and sovereignty over salvation, where he says in John six forty four, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws right. him. And I know this is a hotly contested uh, theology and evangelicalism today, but I promise you that if you study this passage out and let the text say what it says, it says this, that God is ultimately in sovereign control over your destiny and you are
3: not. As I said, there's a general invitation here, you know, which makes us responsible. Yep. You know, we, you know, we will reject that apart from him drawing us to himself. Mm-hmm.
1: And what you, you have in the text is this beautiful imagery of Jesus Christ gave the 5,000 people, men, women, probably 15,000, by the way, was all of a sudden done, all this bread, and their human hearts is saying, oh, wouldn't this be great if we can just get free bread all the time from Jesus? And then people want to make John 6 into about um, the Lord's Supper. It, it's really not about the Lord's Supper. It's it's about communion with the eternal son of god Hmm. and he's coming here and saying what you need is not bread what you need is me and i've Mm -hmm. come so that i can i can fulfill what the father Mm -hmm. has always intended which is to bring you to me and i'm here to to accomplish that purpose and i will do it By having my body broken. Yeah, ultimately. And my blood poured out. What they need is a participation in his life and death. That's right. And so it's just a beautiful imagery of saying, what you want, you don't understand. But I will help you understand it by the work of my spirit within you. And what you need, I will provide all of it. You can't contribute anything, and I'll do it. And even after I've provided for it, you're not going to want it, so the Father's going to draw you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's going to entice you he's going to woo you so this is what mm-hmm. you'll end up getting exactly what you've mm-hmm. ever needed yeah yeah that's really how the sinfulness is
0: so displayed in john six they come to jesus at the beginning thinking you know the, the kind of messiah that we need is a messiah that provides us a little bit of help they were mm-hmm. looking for deliverance from the romans and so they thought maybe this miracle worker can provide us a little bit of help and what jesus basically comes back and said is, says no you don't need a little bit of help you're completely helpless. If you don't have me, you're lost completely. Right? And it's the whole message of salvation. You don't need to be delivered from the Romans. You need to be delivered from your own wicked sin. And I'm going to do it by having my body crushed and having my blood poured out. And that's the gospel. Um, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. Uh, if you want to get caught up on any of our past broadcasts, just subscribe to our iTunes account at the Gospel for Life, or go to ReformationBoys.com. We'll see you next time.